0: Centric leaders. Welcome to the uh next edition of the People Centric Podcast. We are excited to have you here today. Today I have with me, let me introduce my team, uh, Philip Herzog. Philip, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great today. I came back from a trip to Colorado and super stoked to do a, to do a podcast. You know, mountains they just inspire. So I'm ready.
0: they yes, do. I live in Seattle and see the mountains every day, and they are inspirational for sure for sure for sure um and i also have ben roars ben how's your how's your day going
2: hey uh, i recently i recently had a birthday And we played pinball and Pac-Man and things like that for my birthday. And so I I think if if I told you I just had a birthday and this is what we did, you'd probably think, oh, this person's twelve or something like that. But no, (laughs) I'm much older than that. And we had a great great time playing pinball and Pac-Man. So I'm kind of writing that way. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. I I love a good old video game. You know, like Joust. Great video games. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like old enough that the controls are kind of hard to figure out. Like that's. Yeah,
0: that's good stuff. My jam. I like it. I like it. Plus, they were much much harder back then. You know, like you really only got the three lives. There was no, no re respawning or whatever. It's tough.
2: They didn't really test for difficulty,
1: right?
0: Isn't so they just, uh, this this'll, this'll this will this <laughs> will work. There is, is a difference
1: when the saying is in like back in my day, I had to walk up hill both ways through the snow. It was back in my day, game. Controllers were really harder to understand, and you only got three
0: lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we're well. I showed my age. I don't know. I'm not gonna out you guys. I showed my age there for sure. Yeah. Um. But today, I'm so excited to have both of you on because we are going to talk about the hiring process, and what we're specifically going to talk about is red flags in a hiring process. So whether you are looking for a new job or you're the person posting a job and like looking for new candidates, we're going to talk through the things that candidates are kind of raising and saying like, this is not a thing that I want to be a part of. And then we're going to talk through some things that you can do to attract the best talent. So we figured with the two newest people on our team, you guys have just done this sort of, right? Yeah. So we can talk through some of the red flags that you guys saw during the hiring process, even if it was from us, I don't know, could have happened maybe. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, I haven't done a job search in over 10 years, but I do, I do put out our job postings and stuff. So this will be good for everyone involved.
1: I love to, how you mentioned, uh, even for folks who are doing the recruitment side as well. And I think that's something in our roles, we have a huge amount of insight into because so much of what we do is helping people either adjust roles after someone is in them, you know, maybe because just communication wasn't there or uh, creating new alignment and expectations as they put new roles out so that there's a cleaner, smoother transition. So yeah, I think even though it's been 10 years, you have additional 10 years of looking at all these pieces. Yes. That's true.
0: That's true. And I do, I will say that I think the workforce has shifted in the last, I don't know, like five-ish years. And some of the things that we used to say and called it a benefit are now no longer a benefit, right? Those, the, some of the phrases that we had in our lexicon are now outdated and we probably don't need to say those things anymore, you know?
2: I was going to say, I think, um, the hiring process, both if, if you're a listener who um, you know has hired people recently or needs to hire people in the future, or if you're a listener who is going to be on the job market in the future, often that process is just frantic and scary. And so this is one of those where it's good to just take a step back and think through this process that most of the times you've done it, you've probably done it in a sort of frantic way and then gotten through it and maybe not taken a, the time to pause and look back on So this is one of those things that maybe, maybe you've just got a bunch of scary memories of the hiring process on either side of it. And let's, let's open up the box and and see what's in there, maybe. (laughs)
0: Let's make it not so scary. Uh, Okay, so getting into some of the red flags that we are seeing, or that that people are perceiving as red flags. What do you, what did you guys see while you were out there? What were you looking for? What were you not looking for? What are some of the things that if you saw, you were like, Eek, I don't really think that's me.
2: Yeah, I could go first. Uh, so I, I'm somebody who came from kind of an academic background and then I've been transitioning into, you know now into people centric. And so I, I was thinking about a lot of different Types of jobs, a lot of different industries of, well, maybe I could use my skills here, or maybe I could use my skills there. And so when I was asking about role definitions and and what does this job do, um, I, I wasn't somebody who had done a similar role and, and assumed I knew what role I'd be jumping into. So I was really asking questions about what does this job entail? What does this person do? And in some cases, so I think people centric did a pretty nice job of explaining exactly what the role is, exactly what we're looking for. That's so right, we
0: right. Yeah.
2: Of practice course. what we preach, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't um, know if that's true, but I appreciate that <laughs> you think so. <laughs> I think so, um,
2: but then then in some other experiences I had. Um, when it came to questions about okay, exactly what does this role consist of? Exactly what am I what am I doing here? What does this line in the job description mean? Sometimes the responses to those questions was something to the effect of, "Well, you'll know it once you start," or uh, "It's kind of complicated. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain." And so I I think those were sort of red flag situations because the job interview is the time to explain those things and so if there's if there's um a hesitancy to get into the nuts and bolts of exactly what is the role then i think that's a red flag that makes the candidate think like why don't you want to get into the weeds of telling me exactly what this position does either it's because you're not super clear on what the position is or how to describe it to me or you, you, there's something that you need to hide, you know, that, that you don't want to tell me about. So that kind of inability to get into those details of job description and be clear about it I, was a red flag for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people who have gone into a job and then learned that there was this whole other side that they didn't know they were going to have to do, or like these whole other duties or yeah. tasks. And they're like, that was never, I was never told that I'm going to be the inventory person and lugging all of these boxes back and forth to do this job like fine but I didn't know that was part of my job before I started working here and I think you're right there's something to the 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 transparency of that and the let's get all the details out so you have a good picture of what you're going to be doing day to day yeah what else what are some other things
2: well, I was just going to follow up on that, Diana, that I think for a lot of employers who are doing hiring, sometimes the job description is kind of an afterthought. So it's like, we know this position, we know we need to fill the role, we need to get somebody in here. Who, what kind of person are we looking for? Oh, yeah, who's got the job description? What file is that saved in? And so that that I think is something on the on the employer side that can really lead to that kind of lack of clarity and transparency in role definition.
0: Yeah, for sure. And job descriptions change over time too, right? There's, if you pulled yes. my job description from when I first started, it was very, very different now, which is fine, but those things need to evolve as the position evolves. And then once you're ready to fill it, you need to know exactly what you're looking for. So you have to have that job description. You need that to know what skills you're looking for. Yeah, for sure.
1: it been been mentioning too, you know, one, one, thing I think I've benefited from anywhere I've worked. I've usually had a few different roles within. So there's been a lot of that internal transition change, which I think sometimes is almost harder, I don't know, than, and a, than a new job. It feels less stressful up front because you're like, I know these people, I know this whole thing. But then when it's another role on the other side, you realize, whoa, you know, maybe I didn't ask as many questions as I whatever should have. Or the same for my organization. Maybe they didn't ask, you know, maybe we're, we thought we were more on the same page, but it's a totally different role. And then how do I leave behind the work I was doing. Um, So I think that's a piece that impacts a lot of people as well. But in terms of a new job search for a new job, new institution, I've always been lucky. I usually have four or five places I'll kind of turn the rocks on at the same time. And one time I did that, there was a leader at an organization. It was very small and he was super honest with me, which was a green flag. It was really helpful, super honest. But then he got so honest. It was like very clarifying. And I realized this is not where I need and want to be. So I was very thankful for that. But even walking out of that interview, I thought, okay, like great conversation. There was an offer on the table. There were a lot of things in this job that I wanted, but I, I just, you know, the enough of me paused to say, this is maybe not the fit for me just again, because they were so honest, but that honesty made me almost want to go. Cause I thought, where else can I get that? So I think all that to say, the story that you hear the very, at the very onset, is most important, both as the people looking for an employee, you know, the story you hear from them is huge. We help with interviews all the time. And if someone's like, why are you looking and what's motivating you? That's really just a story, you know, and if the story is my current people are terrible and they're dumb, you know, like that's a wonderful thing to know because that's a, that's a huge red flag and kind of the same. If the previous people say, you know, Hey, the previous person in this role was terrible. We're cha- you know. So I think one of the questions I always like to ask as an interviewee, like, why is this position open and available? Yeah. And, and whatever answer they give, which again, people centric, I was like, this is new, and you kind of shared vision and a story, and so that is at least helpful, I think, because when you paint a picture of what's happening, and then also not ignoring the fact that change is a piece of business. So places that seem scared when they talk about change, I'm like, that's not somewhere I can work because if we are negatively responding to change all the time. um, And again, that's easy to say it's different to do it and experience it. But that's another piece. I think a red flag is just people who seem like they hate change. That just is hard for everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love the concept of does this story make sense? And are you hearing what you need to hear in that story? And whether it's whether it's you really want to, you know, what people want to hear is probably all different. But Are you hearing what you want to hear in that story? Does it make sense to you? Does it all add up? Are the pieces falling into place? Like, you know, or or are you getting different stories from different people? I think that's another red flag, right? If you've gone to two interviews and one person says something incredibly different from another, that's probably a red flag. That's probably not good. Um, I don't do your position. You guys are the engagement specialists. I don't do that. But when you guys ask me, because I do a lot of the interviewing, what does this job entail? I usually say things like, I might have a different idea about this, but here's what it looks like from my perspective, right? Because I want you to see what I see, but also I don't do the job. So it's going to feel different and look different from someone who's doing the job, you know? So, yeah, I love the, is the story there. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, and on
2: that point, Philip, I think one particular answer uh, people sometimes hear to the question of why is this position open? Um, you were saying one answer that's a red flag is, oh, everybody here's uh, everybody's bad at doing their job. I have all these bad employees. I guess a, a specific version of that I think I've heard is. It's, it's been so hard to fill this position. you know. Uh, we just had somebody in this position and they left. And before then we had somebody who was here for a short time and oh, this position's so hard to fill. We're really excited to get you in here and get it filled. And then the question is, why is the position so hard to fill? Why have you had so much trouble filling the position? Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, I often think about if I was gonna go look for a new job, what are the things that would be That would stand out to me. And I think one of the things that I've learned from people centric is how important the mission vision values are, and how I need to be aligned with those and Philip I think you were talking a little bit about that you've mentioned it in a past podcast too so can you speak to that for us like a little bit about your philosophy on that.
1: When I worked back at Liberty Mutual, um, there was someone higher up in the organization that visited our local office, and he always talked about himself in the third person, which I loved. So he was kind of talking, he said, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What, do, what does he do when he's looking for a job? And he said, you got to you gotta match your values. And really what what this director was saying is, if you are looking for a job, it's as much like an interview from you to them as it is them to you, um, so that kind of sparked a light bulb for me. Of course, you want to have good rapport, and there's a lot of dynamics. Uh, but if you are if you're so desperate that you're you know going to a job interview and you're like I have to have this job, this is all I have, that's not really good for anyone. You also are coming to the table as an asset, and so kind of that mutual respect and the things that matter to you have to matter to you if you work there and it should matter where you work as well. So kind of that, like, I love the word alignment because it expresses just that beautifully. And if that's really what an interview is for in a lot of ways, right? Can you do the job? I think a lot of people can do a lot of jobs. So that next level for a skilled asset is, do you also fit our culture and our system and you have the same goals? And if you both can answer yes, that's an awesome fit. And kind of what that looked like for me, at least at people-centric, kind of similar to Ben like, what does consulting look like? What does an engagement specialist do? I still try to improve how I share what we do because people people always ask, right? Um, looking for that common thread, like from Diana to Bethany to Don to Stephanie, um, there are a lot of people involved. I reached out to all of them. And so you kind of create this bigger mosaic of like, oh, this is what it is. And then, two, one, one key that was really cool with people centric, I, I loved my current job. A lot. And so I think I took nine days before the initial, before I officially accepted. And so the response the whole way through was, we want you to be here, but also do what's best for you. We completely respect that and get that. And that, that sealed the deal for me too, because I already was like excited, but your response to how we handled it, like that just showed you genuinely cared. So I, I loved that. So I think any organization along the way, as long as you show your candidates the same thing, like that speaks volumes, and no one's a hostage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, some of us are hostages. Help me.
1: I'm, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I the the values part of that is super important to me, and I think every company that has values, all the values are always good, right? They're words like integrity and honesty and truth. Like those things are you're not going to have a value of like, I don't know, theft and, and, and like, those are. We value gossip.
2: We gossip gossip here.
0: We love to gossip. Yeah. Like those are not going to be core values. The core values are always going to be good, but I think it's taking a step back and really assessing, do these people live their values and, are they living them in a way that align with how I want to live, right? If our we have a core value of truth, and if I just was rude about my truth, like, well, this is my truth, and I'm sorry, you have to hear it. Like, that's not exactly how we want to live in our truth. We want to live in our truth with compassion. We want to tell people the, the truth, even when it's hard, but do it in a way that shows that we care, because it's coming from a place of caring and not a place of like, My truth is better than your truth. And my truth is more accurate than your truth. Like, that's not how we want to do it. So you have to take a step back from those values and say, is, are they living it the way that I want to live it also? And are they embodying it? Are they showing me those values throughout this, this process?
1: That's one piece. Um, so once I saw the opportunity, of course, you know, you always see an opportunity and then you share with a couple of friends, important to you. This is, I'm thinking of applying. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then you do it. But before I apply, I always scour the website. My, my rule for myself, read every word on the website at least once. And if you're doing really well, read it twice. So going to people since I did, I did. So there's all the videos and things, but what I loved quickly finding right mission, vision, values. And our four, which stuck out to me so much, I memorized, like they just stuck. I didn't even have to memorize. It's team, impact, truth, communication. And that's why too. I was like, these are really interesting. So to your point too, Diana, if they, if these are actually real, because again, it's one thing to have a website, it's another to do the thing. Um, If you are real and the whole way through, it's like, no, they genuinely care. They're very honest. There were certain things too, you know, the team said, this is, these are challenges that we have. And I think my most honest question, I got really nitty gritty honest, but I thought you all value truth. So I think I asked everyone, what do you do when things go wrong? And I, I kind of prefaced my question, not just wrong, like really, really, really wrong. And I wasn't saying, what do, you, when do you fire someone? That's a totally different question. Totally different. <laughs> but I was like, what when things go, and so I remember, I think the first time even with you, I kind of asked it and you gave a really good answer. But I was like, I feel, I feel like it could get harsher. So I was like, give me the real, like what, when something hits the fan in the worst way. And each time your response was like, well, then we handle it as a team, right? Because nothing can go wrong without the whole team missing it. So things like that, which really put the like the proof in what your values were. And they excite me. That's probably why I'm talking too much because they really matter. <laughs> <are. laughs>
0: I love that. No, I love it. Yeah. I think I I think it's hard to determine if those values are really being lived, but it's easy to feel it. Like it's hard to to nail it down. But when you're in there and you're interviewing, it's it's easy to see it and it's easy to feel it. And I think you could even ask the question, like, how do you embody your core values? What, which ones stand out to you? I've been, I've been with people who are interviewing, who have asked a question like that. And the leader's like, Ooh, I don't, I couldn't tell you what our core values are. And I'm like that right there. That's a red flag. If you can't tell me or can't tell me how you're working to have it on your team and, and making sure that these things that are, quote unquote, core to you, if you can tell me that we're missing a bigger picture and it's scary for me to jump ship. So what else, What are some other ones? What are some things that you've seen out there recently that you're like, oh yeah, another one?
2: Well, Diana, I can't take credit for this one, but you told Philip and I about this before the podcast. But uh, one thing people are talking about as uh, people on the internet are talking about um, as a red flag is if if a company says we're like family.
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
2: A lot of companies say that it's like a family here. We really feel like it's a family. Well, the so the first part of that is what does that even mean? Because what does that mean? saying it's like family, we're like family, it feels like family, that can mean so many different things to so many different people. And so that, that phrase alone can have, so there can be a lot of good in that phrase, or there can be a lot of not so good hiding in that phrase. And so what do we even mean when we say, oh, it's like a family here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I worry about that phrase simply because I think it puts a lot of pressure on people. Like what if I don't, like you? (laughs) What if I don't want to be a part of this family? And what if I have my own family at home that I'm very jazzed about? And I want to interact with you. I want to engage with you, but being a part of family kind of means you never get out. It kind of means you don't have a choice. Like kind of means I'm stuck. So what does that look like? Is this a good thing? I don't know. I take, I take caution with that phrase.
2: And one thing that families usually are not is professional. So how how do you interact with your family? <laughs> Good. Well, point. I'm not professional with my family. Um, I'm very very casual with my family. <laughs> I'm very as you shy, as you should be. Open, yeah. If you were professional with your family, that would be a red flag. But um, but but I think that's that's one thing to think about. Is when he says, "Oh, it's like we're all we're all like family here." Does that mean uh, we're not very professional with the way we interact with each other? Uh, and and that might be something to ask about, something to think about. Um, what what about the level of professionalism? How how does everyone interact with with each other? Yeah,
0: yeah. Because I will say I'm pretty sure I have said Matt is like the brother I never wanted. So there is some family aspects happening on our team. You know but it's not a good thing. I have nailed it, it's not a good thing. He's not here to defend himself, but I'm gonna put it out there anyway.
2: So, I mean, would with, with your brother, your hypothetical brother, do you tell your brother, like, hey, fill out your expense reports, brother?
0: <laughs> I have never told my actual brothers to fill out expense reports, um, but I do have to tell my work brother a lot to do things, like, "Bro, brother it's time to do the thing that I need you to do. Yeah. He's the brother I never wanted. Funny. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that one. Cause I do think it's one that infiltrates and some leaders are like, this is a good thing. And then, you know, outwardly, maybe not such a good thing.
2: Well, well, and I, I've mentioned, you know, something negative that that could be underneath, it's like a family here, we're like family, something something negative under there could be, well, we're not very professional in our interactions, but there are lots of positive things too. And so if there's something positive that you're um, intending, when you say it's like a family around here, well, maybe just say those positive things. And so if it means that everybody uh, on the team supports one another and really effectively supports each other, that's great. Let's Let's maybe say that instead of saying we're like family. Um, Love that. Say the positive thing maybe instead of using this phrase that could mean a hundred things.
1: When you guys were talking, one of our family favorite movies is Lilo and Stitch, right? And one of the best parts is when, and I think it's maybe the first time Stitch can talk, right? In the movie, he says, Ohana means family, you know, which is like the whole family's thing. Ohana means family. And it's a very touching moment. Uh, But to Ben, to your point, you don't really do that at work. You know, I don't, you don't really see a moment where it's a super m- emotional thing. You've all gone through the sales and increasing revenue and putting you know, all this thing and someone breaks down and in their alien stitch voice says, oh, that means family, right? It's just, that's they're different things. And I think the reason I love that scene, that kind of expresses what family is. It's very, it's very beautiful and very intimate and there's a place for it. But yeah, I think the reason we use that term though, it's like the easiest way to make things that are, not good, sound endearing or to make things that are good sound endearing, right? Like either way, because I've heard the same place say we're family and that's why we got each other's backs here. And in the same conversation, we're family and that's why the three of us can't get along. So you <laughs> like fam- you know so I think that there's a, like to your point, making it specific the the true strengths that you do have, that's that's a lot more meaningful than than the colloquialism.
0: Yeah. Uh, we've also heard the phrase recently, the phrase work hard, play hard. We work hard and we play hard. And I have heard some pushback from that on the internet. I watch, I watch all of these, you know, work talks or whatever. And, um, some people have said like, that's a red flag for me. So I kind of wanted to unpack that one. Would that be a red flag for you guys? If I said we work hard and we play hard.
2: I think play hard is another thing that can mean a hundred things. So we, we work hard, we play hard. Does that mean, you know, we work hard at our jobs and we all play in sports leagues together, or does it mean we work hard at our jobs and we all stay out late at the club every night and come in hung over to work the next morning? Um, I, what does it mean we work hard and we play hard? I, I, I at least, yeah, I at least want to hear what do you mean by that? If I hear that phrase.
0: Yeah. That's one of those phrases that I'm like, "Mm, this is outdated. Maybe we don't need to say this anymore. Maybe this is one, but Philip, well, what do you feel about it?
1: A great work talk I saw. It was basically that saying, uh, we work hard play hard and it says when and it goes on there shows this picture of a very awkward office party eating pizza it says we work hard play hard means we have everyone work 55 hours a week and we thank them at the end of the month by spending 75 on pizza and i thought that was really funny because it does kind of add this specific piece to it i've had jobs where i mean thanks might look different if the budget is different and that's okay but when You say we play hard, I assume that means at work. It's like work sanctioned play, not past that because that's a different conversation. So it would set my expectations higher, right? If you say we play hard, what does that look like? My first day at PeopleCentric was a pretty cool play hard. We were at the airport. We went to Seattle for three and a half days to see Diana. That was cool. So it was the reverse for us. We play hard and then we got to work. But I do think that's an outdated phrase and maybe better ways to say it. Like we really value... You know, getting things done, we look at rewards and then painting a picture of what rewards look like. Is it a several thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year? Is it we take an afternoon off at the end of the month if we reach our goals? We play a great game and a lot of great game has built-in incentives that are clear. So you like as you're working on goals, you know what the play hard might look like. So there's a lot of ways you could make that clearer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do love. I love the sentiment, right? We do work really hard, but we also enjoy each other and we enjoy life and, and the sentiment behind it, I think is there, but, but really the reality and how that plays out could be very different amongst all of the companies, right? If I said people-centric works hard and play hard, I believe that. I think we work really hard, but we also like take time for each other and take time away and allow us to have good balance and all of those things I think we do that but on another organization it might very well be we've worked 55 hours this week and got nothing to show for it except a beer at the end of the week or whatever you know it's not not really ideal
2: or I think of the the cliche of a tech firm that has a ping pong table and expects you to work like 70 hours a week. And so, you know, we don't we don't clock in, we don't clock out. We've got a ping pong table, never go home. So if, if that's what work hard, play hard means, that's something different from what Diana was describing, I think.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like the, the Google way or whatever that used to be back in the day where they have this huge campus and pods you can sleep in. I never want to sleep at work. No, thanks. <laughs> I never need to be so exhausted that I just go sleep at work. Like I, I am not about that life. I am no, sir. Mm-mm.
2: Although I do have to own the fact, as Matt pointed out in a previous podcast, he and I um, drove to see a client and on the drive back when he was taking a driving turn, I dozed in, in the passenger seat and I dozed hard. I and think that's, so, different. Um, that's different. That's different. <laughs> but that that's a little different i think than hey we've got a sleeping bag for you never go home.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: There's a coffee shop just around the corner from us, Kingdom Coffee, and on their outdoor wall i realized recently, they 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 painted their kind of their slogan mission vision diece piece which is excellence in everything, which I just love that. So beautiful. And so, and it is this, this coffee shop has amazing coffee, great burritos. Their team is always super nice, great staff and things. So literally every time I walk up now, I literally think to myself as I'm ordering my little coffee, ah, this is my move to excellence. Now, you know, again, it's very nerdy. Most people might just walk by. But it is kind of thing too. And then you're like, this is their standard. So when I interact with them now, I know that they they say they're about excellence and everything. So if they mess up my order, I can come back, right? This is not excellent and everything. Um, we have good reports. So I wouldn't say it that way. But similar to that piece of work hard, play hard. I, I just hear that phrase. And honestly, I imagine it tense, like my muscles start to tense up because it feels like you're playing football and you're on the line and you need to be really aggressive in that, like hit it hard, go hard. Um, and work should be done passionately but I don't know if that's like the phrasing I need again I would rather be like what we do is we make teams healthier and happier like we you know like because excellence and everything is specific to what they do what's specific to what we do so that's just my final thought I guess on that is it's not even a specific statement it just seems off course
0: well and honestly when you said excellence in everything I got anxious because I'm a perfectionist so like (laughs) <laughs> are you kidding me i have to be excellent at every i'm already trying that philip i'm already trying to be excellent at everything please stop putting the pressure on me i'm gonna need more information about excellence in everything
2: i kind of had a negative reaction too and i'm all kingdom of coffee is awesome thumbs up i'm we're getting ad revenue from them right um, <laughs> they're
0: gonna never talk to us again they're gonna be like you smeared our mission but, they're, but they're, i think they're, that's they're, the key though that it's theirs, and they have to explain it to the people. You have to know what that looks like for them. What does that mean to them?
2: I guess I thought uh, excellence in everything. Uh, I don't know. Don't try to do everything. Try to try to find your niche. Do excellence in whatever you're excellent at. I don't know. But maybe maybe what they mean is excellence in everything
1: we do. I think that that's a more charitable interpretation. Maybe excellence in everything that we do aesthetically, coffee-y, and burrito-y that's what it was.
0: Well, and, and honestly, they could be excellent at not being excellent at everything. Right? There is a way to make this work. You can you could do it. And and like if you're this is the perfectionist in me freaking out, but if you're not excellent at everything, we're going to be excellent at telling you you're not excellent at that thing. We're going to be really human with you. I don't know. There's a way to make it work. You just I, I would have many more questions about that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, am I crazy? It's just me. It's just me.
2: Well, I, th- I think that highlights that what, what we seem to be saying about a lot of these red flags is um, this is a good time to ask more questions. And so I don't think we're saying that if you see one of these things run away from the job interview and never call them back. But I think our, our advice consistently seems to be some of these red flag phrases that um, a, a big part of the problem is the lack of clarity and what could be underneath that. And so I think I think what we are recommending in most of these cases is ask more questions, ask the right questions, ask hard questions when you see some of these red flag
1: phrases.
0: Yes, and to your point earlier, Ben, like be clear about what you mean behind those. Maybe in the job description, don't, don't say excellence in everything, say what you mean and what you believe, right? I don't know that I, I don't think in our job description, I ever put just truth, right? Because truth means something to everybody differently. I put our definition of truth. We actually have a defined one. So I put it there and that will help you determine some of the things that we're talking about. But please ask more questions. Yeah. I, to your point, I loved the, be be, be specific about what you're really asking for there. Any other things we should touch on as like red flags or or green flags for that matter?
1: Green flags are my favorite flags, right? Um, when you're at the beach and they start raising the red flag, you're like, ah, now we have to go in. It's getting dangerous. I I don't know if that's where the term comes Sharks, from. Sharks.
0: I don't know. That's right.
1: Then they're attacking people more this year. So red flags are dangerous. <laughs> more shark bites this year than ever. So the news says that I read, but uh, one of, I think that some of the green flags, at least again, anywhere I've worked, I always love when I know someone who's on the inside. So I kind of, I never work anywhere unless I know someone who, you know, beyond just a professional setting that also works there, because that's when you get the real information.
0: Um, Who was that here? Oh, Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. I forgot. I forgot.
1: And, And Stephanie even is a great example. We, it's not like we were, we didn't grow up together and all these things, but I knew her enough that I, I just reached out to ask her and she had very, you know, very positive things to share as well. And so I think there's kind of the professional work setting. So as much as we all say, you know, work's not family and have professional relationships. Also, always lean on your friendly relationships that can help get you the real story. Um, and, And that's huge. When those both match up, which they did here, that's amazing. And I think that's, that's just what a valuable, valuable to have relationships like that. So whether, you know, looking at mission, vision, values, job descriptions, you know, asking about budget, I think those are all things that are really important to do. But at the end of the day, it's really, I would say people's perception of what they're experiencing when they're there is the best story and tells it all. And and kind of, again, it's, it's the same, you're interviewing them. So Not that you are ballsy enough to just say, do you have a list of references here? But find their biggest clients and then reach out to people you know there. You know, there's a lot of ways you can do your own reference check on the place you're working um, or looking to work at. And then for even current employers, it's a really good idea. You know, as you're looking to hire people, you should be really doing a good job of checking those relationship pulses you have for your own team, so-called people-centric, or, you know, looking at partners you have who, like, what are their perceptions of you? Because if their teams think you're doing well, they will share that also, and that helps you recruit and build talent.
0: Great advice there. I distinctly remember my first day at a job where I walked into the building And someone immediately said to me, I can tell you're new because you still have a smile on your face. And so I was like, well, this feels like a big mistake now. Great. Great. Yeah. So you're right. Those, those, uh, knowing what your people actually feel about how they work, uh, is important. Yeah. Anything else we should touch on before we wrap up? okay all right i'm getting head nods of like i think we've covered it uh if you have your own red flags please reach out to us we would love to hear from you and about those um so let us know otherwise we will talk to you next time on the next episode of the people-centered podcast thank you for listening to the people-centered podcast we are so grateful for you joining us every week If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.